We're continuing in our messages today in our series on courageous living. Our primary scripture for this, to live courageously as God calls us to, comes out of 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And this is a commandment that God has given us. He says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. And as we go and we continue with our our process of saying, what does it take to live courageously? What has God called us to? He uses those words. We didn't make those up. He said, be of courage, be strong, stand firm in your faith, but be alert to the world around us. One of the great privileges that we have today is celebrating Father's Day. Is that something great or what? I, uh, I'm kind of excited about this. Our scripture verse comes out of Proverbs 22.6, and we know that scripture, and in Proverbs it tells us simply this, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from that. Our big idea today, I take it from a guy named Billy Graham, um, <laughs> had the privilege of meeting him before he went to be with the Lord, had a privilege of meeting Franklin Graham uh, at one point. But Billy Graham made the statement, he says, a good father is the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. You know, I was thinking about that today, and there were so many thoughts that going through my mind on this. You know, it was interesting, my emails, and I actually have two or three golf courses, I haven't played any lately, but um, the number of emails that I had for specials for men on Father's Day to skip church and play golf was just overwhelming. And you know, I had known about these kinds of things and so forth. And then the other thing that really got me, you ready? An enormous number with dad jokes. Some were funny, some weren't because they hit home, right? But then I was thinking about this. On Mother's Day, do you get all these emails with mother's jokes where we get to make jokes about the mothers? No, you don't see any of those, do you? Go through all of the other days, right? And Father's Day is the only day we've set aside on the calendar, the only one where everybody gets to say, you know, everybody loves Raymond and make all the jokes about dads. So I'm going to start and say there will be no dad jokes today, okay? We're just going to talk about and honor fathers here. But here's something else as I get started. And I want to thank the ladies for this. They, they taught me a very good lesson on something that God moved me to, in a sense, on Mother's Day. And then it was comments afterwards and a few notes. And on Mother's Day, I made the comment that it isn't the happiest of days for many of the mothers, and for ladies that would like to be mothers and others. And, you know, I started processing this with fathers. And I thought, you know, one of the things that we need to acknowledge again today is, is we've got a lot of men, one that would like to be fathers, or men that have said goodbye to their father. My father is in heaven. Billy's father is in heaven. Great men. thought. So we just need to acknowledge that as we move forward in the celebration that a lot of times we think as fathers, everything is perfect and so forth. And sometimes, you know, it's not. And you know, the other thing that I think of here is we've got folks sitting here that their fathers couldn't be here with them today, and they don't live close enough that they're going to be able to see them today. But I just want to acknowledge this to the fathers that are here and the fathers that 
are watching online. And the other part of that is, what some of you may not realize, is that Father's Day is one of the lowest, if not the lowest, attended days by men throughout the entire years at church. And men, don't, you don't realize that, but the fact is, on Mother's Day, you know, dads say, what do you want for Mother's Day? So many moms say, I just want you to go to church with us, and they do. But on Father's Day, they say, this is your day. That's why the golf courses are filled right now. And so as I say that, I want to acknowledge the fact that we've got fathers here that showed up today. They showed up today. They didn't go play golf today. And as I look at so many of the men sitting here with families and spiritual fathers that are sitting here with their families, you know, not only are they here today, but they're here regularly, weekend and week out. They're showing up. And I just want to acknowledge our fathers that we have today. You know, last time with the mothers, we had all the mothers sit and the dads and everybody else stood up. We're going to do it a little different now. I want all the men who are dads here, would you stand up, please, just so that we can see you and acknowledge that on a Sunday when a lot of men choose not to go to church, we've got a church that's got a lot of men in it that are here today. And can we give them a hand? You bet. Thank you. And to new dads, too. Okay. But I just want to thank you, men, and I want to say it right here to all of you. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being fathers who show up. Thank you. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, as we continue and we look at this issue of fathering, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff, I want to look at the Scripture here, and there's some things that are important to me here. We've heard all of the negative uh, statistics, and they say on Mother's Day we praise mothers, on Father's Day we beat up dads, right? And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. That's not how God intended it to be, and that's not what God wants from us here. I want us to remember that as we talked in the Billy, in the Billy Graham and our big idea there, how important fathers are. When we look at Matthew in 7, chapter 7, verses 9 and 11, here's what God tells us here. He says this, he says, who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are not quite as good as our heavenly father, let's just put it that way, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And as I was reading that, it was important to understand that God is the ultimate father for us. You know, we look at things and some people say, well, I didn't have a really good model as a father. <clears throat> and I've shared with you some of the history and not seeing my dad for years. And I think I shared with you that my father had a scholarship to play rock hockey for the state of Nebraska. Uh, we don't use the word prison in my family because it's just got such a negative connotation for a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Go, hey, my dad was in prison. No, we don't do that. It's just negative, right? But we, my dad had a three to five year scholarship to play rock hockey for the state of Nebraska. Yeah, he had an orange jumpsuit and, uh, he had a lot of days he got to go out where there was a big rock pile, and he got to hit those rocks and make little rocks. That's called rock hockey, see? And it didn't surprise us at all when my father was given the scholarship. Didn't shock anybody, right? He says, yeah, I saw that one coming, right? Ray Charles could see that. Some of you have no clue what I just said, okay? <laughs> Some of you have no clue what I just said, but trust me on it. There's meaning to it, right? 
And so, but we were really shocked when he uh, lost his scholarship for good behavior and got out early. But I, I, I tell you that, and I can look at that because it's real easy to say, well, I didn't have a good example. You know, I didn't know what a real father was supposed to look like. And you know, I, I used that excuse in my life for a lot of years. You know, a lot of bad decisions you could make and you go, well, if you just knew my father. You know, before really coming to walk with the Lord, my sons and daughter could say that, you know. I always joke that Courtney, our youngest son, could do some things and people say, Courtney, why did you do that? And he goes, well, if you knew my dad, and then people could just roll their eyes and laugh, right? And they say, okay, it's fine. We see where you got it. But what this scripture tells us right here, for us dads, and I'll, I'll include, and we'll talk about this issue of spiritual fathers, you know, but for us guys, to walk in the fullness of the spirit of fatherhood, we have the best example you could ever ask for in a heavenly father. And he tells us that. He says, you can do all you want for your kids, and being one that wants to give good gifts to your kids, you can't even compare to the gifts that I want to give you as your father, as your heavenly father, and as the example for you. I'm going to give you a couple of principles here on fatherhood, right? And the first one is, coming out of that, it's impossible to be the father we were created to be without a perfect relationship with the heavenly father. You know, if you want to do anything in life, and I said to you, I'm going to give you the best example, the best mentor, the best coach, the best person in the world that's done this better than anyone else, and they have agreed to spend some time with you to get better at this right here, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? I mean, if you were sitting here today and you said, man, I would just like to improve in golf, right? And I said, boy, you know, you're in luck. Because here's what's going to happen. I know Tiger Woods just had some surgery on his ankle, but he's walking fine. And he's got some time on his hands that he's not playing in tournaments. And you know what? After this, you're not skipping church for it, but after this, when you get to do, he's agreed to meet with you. And for the next few days, just play some golf and help you with your game. And you go, holy cow, who would give that up? Who would look at that and say, yeah, I don't think so. I know he's really pretty good, but I'd just like to learn this on my own. But that's what God says is, is that he is the model for us. He sets the example for us. He wants to teach us to be the kind of fathers that he's called us to be. And so here's my second principle for us. It goes out of 1 Corinthians 14, 15 on this one. And he says, and reading out of the, the CSB version on this, let me get to that. And this is what he says here. Is he says, in the, the one version that's going to be up there, it says, for you can have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you can't have many fathers. And now I have fathered you in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to be imitators of me. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth there. In the CSB version, it says, for you may have countless instructors in life and in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. 
For I became, this is Paul writing, that he stepped into that role. And you say, well, he became, remember the scripture that Paul gave us in Romans? He says that I became all things to all men that I might win one. That Paul said, I didn't become then, I became all things that I might win one. And what he's saying here is, and for those in Corinth, but this was a circular letter that was meant for the churches there. He's saying, I became a father to you so you would know what a heavenly father is calling us to be as earthly fathers. So here's that chain on it that the apostle Paul is saying, learn. I learned from the heavenly father. Now think about this for a second. Paul had no earthly sons biologically. And he's still using that term because it was so important that God gave us his name, heavenly father. And that he then, through Paul, said, show them what it means when a man follows me to be an earthly father. And then he says, be imitators of me. You know, there's so many scriptures with that. And you said, well, you know, I don't. I don't really necessarily want to follow a man. I want to follow, you know, Christ on this. But now think about what the Apostle Paul also said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Okay? So when you put it in, now remember what we talked about here. It's a big book. Let's use the whole thing here. It's what we do. Both the Old Testament, and you saw those with the scriptures for our, our two sons here, Jasper, right? And for Asher and how important. Old Testament, New Testament, because it all comes together in God's word, and he means for us to use it all. So when we think about this with the Apostle Paul, I became all things to all men that I might win one. And then he says, but look, just as I have been a father to you, right? right? You do likewise be imitators of me. And he wasn't saying be like me. He was saying be like Christ because he was saying, what? Follow me, imitate me as I follow, imitate Christ who is the head for us here and what he taught us in that. So with that scripture there, we look at here's principle number two. We must be a church of fathers and spiritual fathers. The great attack that's taking place in our nation right now is on manhood and fatherhood. And we don't need a bunch of statistics that I can go for hours and tell you how this is happening and what's happening to our young boys and what's happening to men and so forth. But the greatest attacks across our nation, and why would that be that Satan would work so hard to tear down one institution starting with men and, go to the next one, is marriage Why destroy those is because the destruction of the family, God's family, is what Satan is trying to do with this. And I would say, you know, a church that's not raising up fathers and spiritual fathers, I believe that we're missing a mandate from God. I believe we're absolutely missing a mandate from God. There's a lot of ways that we do these and so forth. You know, Chris, our elder, said, you know, there's just Monday night tailgate. It's at the bowling alley. You know, one of the things that we believe strongly in is that we need to do fellowship together as a family. You know, it's kind of thinking, I, we have a son and five grandkids that are in Nebraska. We've got a son and two grandkids, plus our daughter shipped her other, one of her daughters there. So there's three of them there. We got to see one of our granddaughters came up from Colorado Springs. So all of my, my kids and my grandkids are spread all over the place. My daughter's up camping. Called me on Friday to wish me Happy Father's Day before she left in that. 
But the idea of what God's calling us to do, it requires fellowship. And you think about this, when you get together with your family and the importance of fellowship, of just doing life together. But you know, that's just as important for us. One of the things, and I, I know Marie and I, you watch the announcements and so many great things that the ladies are doing. We have our community groups that are a great time of fellowship. But, you know, we do Monday morning man up and we do Monday night tailgate and a couple of times a month, just bringing guys together to do fellowship and life together. But, you know, we learn from each other in the process at the same time. So I believe with all of my heart that we've got to be a church that is raising up, that is filled with fathers and spiritual fathers. And this issue of spiritual fathers is so important in a church. I've been reading a book on fathering, and some of you may look at me and go, Chuck, you kind of missed that one, didn't you? Uh, I know my kids and other people wish I would have read a lot more of those books early on. But, you know, in the early years, there weren't a lot of books out there on some of this stuff. The, the Books for Men, by the way, is a really recent phenomena. When Promise Keepers started in the 1992 time frame, just to give you a perspective on books and why we're seeing so many that are good for us now and that, 94% of Christian books were bought by women in 1992 when Promise Keepers was launched. And one of the efforts out of Promise Keepers in that ministry, ministry was to create good resources for men. But because men didn't grow up reading those kinds of things, we're still in a battle getting men to do these, right, and so forth. But the book that I've been reading on this thing, uh, and it's not too late because one of the roles, by the way, it applies to my grandfathering, it applies to spiritual fathering. And so for all of the men in here, we need to be reading books like that and so forth. But in any event, one of the things, John Tyson was the author of this, and he wrote this, and he says, there's five types of fathers. He says, there's the irresistible father, irresponsible father. There's the ignorant father. There's the inconsistent father, the involved father, just involved in activities. But he says, here's the thing, and it's the title of the book, The Intentional Father. And I've been going through this book for myself because there's still so much. And I, you know, I said, not jokingly, when I thanked Marie for, for teaching me, yesterday was amazing. And I had never been through anything like that before. And like grandparents came in from California and grandparents from different places to be a part and families were there. And to a person, they all said, we'd never seen anything, but this learning process in it. And we've got to be about that process of learning in this. And so this idea of this intentional father, and here's the desire of my heart as the teaching pastor here at Summit, that Summit Church will be a church of intentional fathers and intentional spiritual fathers. And why am I saying all of this here and not to the guys that aren't here? Well, because the guys that aren't here can't hear what I'm saying anyway, so why worry about it? Just follow me on that a little bit, will you? <laughs> Caleb got it, okay? And that is, you men that have showed up here today when a lot of men didn't choose to go to church today, you men that are here with your fathers today as fathers, men that have got their kids here that have come from different places in the country just to be here. And we've got all of this, right? You're the men, I want to tell you, are foundational to Summit Church because I believe you are the men that are here as fathers 
and as spiritual fathers to be what God has called us to be as a church. I believe we got to get that right. I really do. And we're going to focus on those as we go through different things. But you got to have a plan on this, okay? We have to have a plan. And, you know, a significant number of fathers have a better plan in place and priority for their kids to play sports than they do to grow in their faith. And, you know, one of the interesting things is in earlier days, I'll take you back, oh, I don't know, 80 years when I was in high school. There was something sacred about no sports on Sundays. There was something sacred about no sports practices, and if they had them on Wednesday, they stopped early so people could go to church because it was standard. You go to church on Sunday, there was church on Wednesday night, and generally that's when the student ministries or youth groups were. Several years ago, I was teaching someplace, and I said, all of that's gone. There's nothing sacred to the sports community about church or anything else. I said, now what they do is they have their regular leagues on Saturday, so they play their tournaments on Sunday so they don't mess up their leagues on Saturday. They have no concern whatsoever about church during the week and so forth, and we've lost all of that. Had one, one guy was sitting there, and he says, well, that's just not true in our community. And four guys turned to him and literally said, where are you from? because that's true all over our nation. There is nothing sacred and more guys, and when you look at the percentages of how many guys, you know, let's just take men that are going to play varsity sports in high school, how many then end up playing then in college, and how many end up in the pros? I mean, you're talking less than a percentage of 1% make it to the pros, yet every father out there has a great plan thinking his kid's going to make it to the pros, whether it's football, baseball, or whatever it is. And so I think God would tell us that we've got to have a plan for this and what that plan needs to look like, okay? And with that, in the, in the plan there that God has, let me just give you some things because I believe that Summit Church has to help you with the plan. We have to make things available in a key way. Let me give you just a couple of things, okay? And you can say, well, this is just a shameless plug for a couple of things that we're doing. I go, no, it's really not. It's bragging about this church is what it's doing, okay? Let me give you one thing. Eagle Lake Camp is coming up the 3rd through the 7th of July. Now, it's ages 7 to 17, but our young people that are 13 to 17, they get to be part of the staff, okay? And the charge for them is just a minor amount for meals. But get this, our church is committed to this and committed that, whether it's your children here, your grandchildren, people coming in, or your neighbors, this is such a powerful spiritual formation time built around a lot of fun. And you know, as, as a church, we've got to be behind this. And there may be some of you sitting here going, I don't have kids in this. I can't do anything with this, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, I'll give you another shameless plug. If you want to help and just help sponsor or scholarship somebody, that opportunity is available. And I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to pray about what do we need to do as fathers, as spiritual fathers, as a family at this church. You know, there's some other things that are coming up, and one of this is pretty significant. On July 16th, one of the things that that we're doing at Summit Church, and we've done this since, gosh, last August, and that is, is boy, the, the baptism is a family event. 
It's done right here. It's not an add-on that, oh, by the way, if you want to go outside, we'll let you jump in the water and baptize you there and so forth. But it's a family thing. Now, here's what I want to suggest to you. July 16th, a lot of what happens, and, uh, you know, it's... (laughs) The things that we know is there's so much that our kids follow, and they do because they see us doing it, and they know that it's right, okay? And, you know, I shared with all of you that at the beginning of the year, during our time of prayer and preparation, God spoke to me about just taking care of myself medically, and I'd kind of put some, and they're just routine exams and things like that, right? And I explained this to all of my kids. We have two sons, one just turned 42, one will turn 40 in August. You know, at that age, I don't ask them when they had their last physical, and I don't ask them when they're, I mean, those aren't conversations that, right? But you know, as God put this on my heart and I shared it with them, well, come out, come to find out it had been a long time. And as a result of that, and this isn't anything on me. It's just being obedient to God for me here. Both of our sons have scheduled physicals and just regular routine things, and one's in kind of a medical battle, but it's the same thing. So I want to speak to the men here. If you have not been baptized, it's not an act of salvation. It's an act of obedience that we do as a result of salvation. That's not what gets you saved. That's not what we're asking. But it is an act of obedience if you have not been baptized, what it represents to Almighty God first, not to put on a show for this church, but that's what you're being obedient to. But I will also tell you this, as we step up and we're obedient and we can say with confidence, I'm doing this to be obedient to God, I think it encourages our young people and others at the same time. So July 16th, and you can go right to our website. You can sign up for that. You can go to the next steps out there and so forth and do that as well. So when we act in obedience there, one of my favorite scriptures is 3 John 1.4. It says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I'm going to paraphrase that for you. And I know you got to be careful. And pastors paraphrase stuff all the time and try to put it off as their own, whatever. But just listen. Here's how I read this for John. Quit laughing at me and laugh with me. I saw it coming, buddy. Okay? Here, get a handle on him, will you? All right, thank you. Good luck. So let me say this scripture again. We of Summit Church should have no greater joy than this, to hear that our children and their children are walking in the truth. We should have no greater joy than that than to know that our children here, that Asher and Jasper, and even projecting on to the children of children, because of Summit Church being obedient and faithful to Almighty God, are absolutely walking in the truth. So we got to have a plan, and it's not a better plan for sports. I, um, I mentioned this yesterday, and just to keep it real, that you know that I'm certainly anything, certainly far from perfect. My next line here that came to me as I was studying for this comes out of an album by Paul Simon, okay, in 1976. And for the four of you that remember that, it was still crazy after all these years. 
I got heads nodding. There's six of you that remember it. Yeah. And you know, it ties in well, because I've told you my theme song is a Waylon Jennings song uh, about, you know, I'm crazy. I've always been crazy, but it kept me from going insane. So I've always liked this album from Paul Simon, still crazy after all these years. But he's got a song on there called 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Now, some of you are sitting there going, Chuck, you're not saying that, are you? No, I, I really am, okay? This is how God works with me. But there's a line in this song that's in the chorus that keeps getting repeated. And it says, make a new plan, Stan. Make a new plan. Here's what I'm telling you. As I thank all of the men here for being here today, and I do from the bottom of my heart to say to you, what an honor it is to serve as your teaching pastor with men like this at Summit Church. We should all be very grateful for these men. But I will also tell you this, men. I think for some of us, we need to make a new plan, Stan. Because I'm going to ask you during the response time, if God's putting it on your heart, in ways that are so important to the kingdom to encourage families to serve in this church and with your own children do you need to make a new plan stan need to evaluate i already shared with you i needed to do that in an area of my life in january without realizing the ripple effect and seeing what particularly for our two sons but again, Billy and I have talked about this just for our grandkids. It was so much easier with our kids in our house, but we've got them strewn all over the place. And how do we be obedient to what God's called us to do to help them grow in their faith? Because it's not just push them out the door and they're somebody else's responsibility now. For every breath that Billy and I take, for everything going on in our life, we still have responsibility to God for our grandchildren, great-grandchildren and for the children here at Summit Church and we take that responsibility to heart my encouragement to you is simply this in the response time as we walk through this is God saying to you there's more I need to do is God saying to you there's more he has for you to do because as we go through the response I'm going to actually encourage you to do whatever God is putting on your heart. As we close this, I just want to tell you what a privilege it is to be here with you. You know, I feel that every Sunday that I'm here, I feel it with our staff and the different things and any contact I have. We met this morning and I just said, look, Billy and I are so deeply honored and privileged, we feel, to be allowed by God, be trusted by the elders, to be here with you. And I think as I finish, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be a part of your life. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your life. Some of you didn't make that choice. Cease, you're stuck with us, but you can get over it. But for everybody, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord, on this Father's Day as we celebrate first you as the ultimate heavenly Father. Oh, you are. And we thank you, Father, for the example that you set. And we thank you, Father, for men like the Apostle Paul that said, 
inspired by you that he became a father that we could imitate. Follow him as he follows you. So, Father, we just come and we lay it down before you. And, Father, I just thank you and ask your blessings over every man that's here today that could have been someplace else on this day, that the culture we live in is actually enticing men to try to be someplace else. But these men showed up in person and online, and may they feel your blessing. May they feel your presence. May they feel your hand of favor upon them. Father, I continue to ask your blessings on Ethan and Ariana with Jasper, on Caleb and Kristen with Asher, and all of the other parents that are here as we seek to walk in your perfect will and raising children and grandchildren to train them up in the way that they should go, that when they are older, they will not depart from them. So Father, we ask your blessings. We're grateful for your blessings. We're grateful, Father, that you allowed us to be here together today. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's family said, Amen.